Stay close, everyone. Keep up. Don't go off poking around in the shadows all alone. Who knows what lurks in the darkness waiting to catch the curious. Beware, for I am not insured and not liable for theft or injury while on this tour. We are about to enter Nichols Oval Park. Normally a busy neighborhood hub with large covered stage and pavilion, splash park, and rugby field home to the Peterborough Pagans and the women's team, the Wiccans. But by night, the darkness stretches long across its haunted acres, attracting, maybe even inspiring, a fiendish frenzy within some of Peterborough's citizenry, luring them to come and do the devil's deeds. At night, the Pagans and Wiccans who gather here are not sports teams. Except, now, have you heard of health goths? They're like jocks and goths, even kinda preppy. You wouldn't think goths could be so full of endorphins. So, it's not out of the question anymore, but you get my point, hopefully. Our guide, unmistakable from the warm fairy glow of his lantern, hulking frame, and classic old-timey pioneer getup, leads our menagerie of pop culture archetypes from the suburban steps of the Ross Street sidewalk to the dark, tree-covered border of Nichols Oval Park. The soft rumble of traffic from Park Hill and Armor Road penetrates the spell, however, and we can even see the headlights in the distance, past the rugby field, reminding us of the dominance of the cold, mundane, and modern world of the living. Keep your eyes peeled for anyone hiding behind a tree or in the wooded areas. I'm gonna punch the first person who says boo. Andy keeps his head on a swivel, nostrils flaring like a racehorse. Jen pouts and rubs his shoulders, straining her glowing skeleton makeup in mock sympathy. Oh, poor Andy, so mad he got jump scared on a haunted walk. They're not supposed to touch you, every haunted house knows this. Plus, it's COVID times and it's 2020, the era of constant consent. If a haunted walk has to choke me and throw me off a bridge in order to scare me, maybe the actors need to take some sensitivity and acting lessons. Now, let's pound some wokeness into some drama nerds. I turned to Andy and Jen, stopping to let the rest of the tour move on a little before confiding. Andy, I know you think it was just some guy pranking us, but I'm telling you, it really looked like a legit ghost. Bugs under the skin, mealy white eyes, scary voice whispering 2510016. And it was there one moment and then disappeared. It sounds like a real haunted mystery to me. Jen stomps around. How come you get to see a ghost? You didn't even remember it was Halloween and now you're all about a haunted mystery. I remembered. I remembered enough to be ashamed I didn't make a costume in time. That counts. Look, we'll keep our eyes peeled for hidden accomplices, but let's be open to the idea that this is for real. After all, it's 2020, right? Anything's possible? Who had ghosts on their 2020 bingo card? Ugh, fine. Just promise me you won't ever speak internet joke formats aloud ever again. Andy beelines for the small bathroom shelter, splitting from the group. Jen spins, grabs both my shoulders, and squeezes sharply. I've had ghosts on my bingo card since I was seven. I am so pumped! I'm glad you're excited, Jen, but let's just 
be careful, okay? Something doesn't seem right. In the story, the factory workers died in an explosion and fire, but what I saw looked drowned. And it was wearing a mask. What kind of mask? All yellow, big cartoon goggles, black lines for a little tuft of hair out of the top. Like a minion from the hit spin-off animated films? I never saw those. I'm an elder millennial. Your loss, but isn't that a little contemporary for a ghost from the 1910s? Yeah. Yeah. She cocks her eyebrow, giving her skeletal visage a mischievous tilt, and takes my arm and jogs to catch up with the main group. She elbows her way between an it clown and an IT guy to catch the tour guide's attention. Excuse me, Mr. Guide? I had a question about the ghost on the Hunter Street Bridge. The tour guide blinks, glances at us and the crowd with bird-like anxiety. The crowd looks back raptly, a rogues gallery of new rubber and vintage clothes hanging on his every word. Yes, we all have many questions indeed. What happens when we die? How much does a soul weigh? Why do the dead who linger crave violence upon the living? Science fails to answer these questions of the spirit. All I know is that it's time for a candy toss. He reaches into a deep pocket within his cloak and sweeps his arm out over the leaf-ridden grass of the park, broadcasting dozens of small foil-wrapped chocolates across the grounds. The crowd instinctively chases the bait in the delighted throes of the season. These are Valentine's Day hearts, and they're labeled bulk feedlot, someone says. Nay, they are Halloween treats, representing the bloody beef engine that was carved out of a villainous victim right here in this park, a mere 20 years ago to the day. Around the time those chocolates expired. It was a night like this. The moon, Satan's nightlight, glared down into the fog that rolled over the gentle sleeping hills of Nichols Oval Park named for Patrick Sanford Nickel, inventor of the Oval. It was so that you couldn't see three feet in front of you, but everything close seemed to be aglow in pale fire, a ghostly fuel burning somewhere just beyond the edge of sight. A man named Ernie had been stalking the nearby neighborhoods. It was his unsavory custom to cruise the streets for children, following them home learning their ways and routes all year. Then, on Halloween, when no one would notice one more costumed adult roaming the sidewalks rotten with candy-drunk children, he would choose his prey, follow them door to door, and wait across the street like a doting but boundary-respecting uncle. He would wait for his moment. Then, with a sweep of his arms and the rustling of a particularly large pillowcase, there'd be one less child collecting candy on the streets of Peterborough's East City. The police were no good as usual. They thought any parent who lost their kid on Halloween probably had it coming. But people talked. They organized. Ernie was sought, tracked, and eventually found. 
So it was that the predator, Dirty Ernie as he was known, became the Predatured. Two of these vigilantes took the reins and left the rest of their midnight parent society in the dark, protecting the rest from the consequences of what was to come. They set out their own children as bait, forcing them to walk the streets for groceries or to walk their dogs, ostensibly alone. But they stalked their own children like a nature documentarian following a zebra grazing, hoping for the lion. Eventually, Dirty Ernie showed up, selecting his prey and securing his fate. That Halloween, these two parents, filled with righteous fury and, I'll say it, full moon murder energy, instructed their children to parade in front of their street and hit up every house for candy, and then to go to the darkest corner of Nichols Oval Park where this particularly militant splinter faction of the Concerned Parents Brigade waited for him. Dirty Ernie had an entire public life. He was known well enough that his absence necessitated a search. An old-fashioned combing of parks and woods, which his very own murderers made sure to take part in. With their help, the police found the body here, by the stage, but for reasons the murderers have taken to their graves, Dirty Ernie's heart was over there by the bathroom, along with all his teeth stuck into the cold, stiff organ, as if he had bitten his own beating blood pumper. I remove the uneaten half of my fourth heart candy, observing my teeth marks under a new light. No one knows the method by which these predatory parents exacted their peculiar vengeance. But now, the spirit of Ernie is said to roam the park, seeking his lost facial accessories. He will approach you from the bushes or the shadowy corner of a bathroom stall, silently offering a candy. But in exchange, he'll take your teeth and bite your heart. I will now obscure my lantern's light and invite whoever lurks here to show themselves. Be quiet, my friends. Be still. So maybe at the very least we can hear him coming before he catches his prey long denied him. The crowd gazes dumbfounded across the park to the bathroom, imagining the hidden details of the tour guide's story now that the lantern's eerie glow permits the darkness to take control. When Andy struts out of the men's room. Oh, good. I missed the story. Andy, goddammit, were you designed to kill moods? He just smirks and takes his time to rejoin us. While we wait, the styrofoam coronavirus relieves himself near the edge of the park. The Michaels hold on to each other. A sexy raccoon nibbles her expired chocolate but all are watching the shadows. You'll never believe what I found in the bathroom, Andy says, adjusting his plastic Burger King crown and fishing something out of his fuzzy tiger pants. It's a Crown Royale bag. Dice? I ask, nerdishly, holding out my hand to catch the reveal. But what falls in my palm is jagged and uneven. Pointy. Better. Teeth. The coronavirus staggers backwards as something storms out of the bushes at him, knocks him over, and descends upon him. 
My teeth! Give me my teeth! It's dirty, Ernie! Jen and I race over to the fallen globe, costume disintegrating, styrofoam atomizing and poisoning the soil in a tragedy of consequence befitting the costume, and drag the pretend plague away from his attacker, who thrashes madly into the air, casting streaks of molding air. The tour guide shepherds the crowd to join us, but keeps them back just enough that everyone can see clearly. Stay away from him, but get a good look. See the reality beneath our own, which crumbles as sand down an hourglass. Observe his gross face where teeth should be, before I banish him back to the spirit prison for murderers by the power of my lamp. Give me my teeth, you son of a bitch. With a flick of the wrist, the hood of the lamp lifts, and the tormented fairy light dances across each frozen, horrified face casting us all as extras in a scene starring more elevated spirits. When it hits our dirty Ernie, his arms retreat to his face to cover his roomy eyes. He fails to disappear, instead presents himself as a physically solid, plain old man in torn army fatigues. Ah, turn it down! It ain't no crime to sleep in the park and to forget your teeth in the bathroom after washing up for the night. The tour guide fumbles his words, shakes the lantern like a failing flashlight. You're not dirty, Ernie. Who the hell? Hey, Gums, shouts Andy, tossing the bag of teeth to our would-be poltergeist. He catches it by cradling his hands to his chest, selects a handful of teeth with palsying spider's fingers, inserts them into his mouth and smiles terribly for all to enjoy. See? No spookums. Just your friendly Peterborough hard lifer keeping his fake teeth in the bag, says Andy very helpfully. The man leans over to help the coronavirus costume guy back up. Sorry, brother. It's just I carry a lot of vinegar for the Rona already, know what I mean? Anyways, now I can finally eat my candy that the other toothless guy gave me. Wait, other toothless guy? Our new friend raises a discontinued Popeye's candy cigarette to his mouth. And the moment his incisor snaps the sugary stick in half, a figure, no, a black void of space materializes behind him, culminating in a sickening crack as a hand punches clean through his chest, ripping his still beating heart from its rightful flesh. Oh, hell, it was worth it. He collapses, revealing the unmistakable malevolent specter behind him. A figure in simple, tattered ghost costume, stained red with oozing blood at his chest and mouth, wounds rooted somewhere deeper in time and space. An inverted halo of simmering darkness, tendrils made of the stuff of black holes, licks out as the ghost, dressed as a ghost, steps forward. It grasps the heart to its mouth and pulls its veil off, showing sunken eyes and abyssal mouth lacking teeth and gums the poor man's heart like it was a ball of rubber bands. Pandemonium from the crowd, freezing, collapsing, crying, anything but a helpful response, since what could possibly help? Calm yourselves, uh, calm, for I have the only weapon against such evil, 
See for yourselves, cries the tour guide, and he raises the lantern high to cast its witch-hunting light. But my eyes are fixed on the ghoul before us, and I notice something on its wrist. A slim, black wristband with a glass face. Like a watch, but slimmer. Like a goddamn Fitbit. The thing lowers the mangled heart and reaches with its other hand to offer more candy cigarettes to Jen. Want some candy? Ah, this is amazing! Get it away from me! There's no time to think. The tour guide's lantern must be magic or something, I don't know. But he's so confident it'll get rid of the thing. Maybe that's how the first ghost was banished. I should let him do it just to be safe. Or maybe I should knock it out of his hand and figure this out myself. This spirit or demon or whatever it is, isn't from 20 years ago, unless it's been keeping up with techno fashion trends. I could interrogate it, figure it out, but will it kill again? Please, quickly, tell me what to do. If you want to help us decide what to do next, please visit www.twitter.com slash P tell me what to do. That's letter P tell me what to do. Voting will end midnight on Sunday, October 25th. And the final episode of this mini-series will rise from the dead a day or two before Halloween. Once again, boils, ghouls, and gender bodily fluids. We will have to take a break before finishing your Halloween candy. Make sure to sort through it all before chowing down. Remove all razor blades and used facial tissues. And most importantly, stay hydrated. I recommend two to three glasses of hand sanitizer a day. It's a little alcoholic, but hey, it's the holidays. <laughs>